When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Oh, this is the time of the show that everybody tunes in for. You know what time it is, Harvey. You know what time it is, right? You know what we do right now? You know what we do right now, right? Tell them about it. Oh, baby, that's right. Here we go. Drum roll. Do we have any, like, build-up music to this? Because this is my favorite time of the show. This is what I get up in the morning for to do this each and every Saturday. There we go. It is time... Now, for the weekend weather, that is right. It is presented by Grand Marnier. And you know how we do it. We know how we give you the weekend weather. We just take a nice little stroll over to the window right now, and we peek outside, and look at what we see. We see sunshine. We see blue sky. We see no rain. We don't see any wind. It is glorious out there. It's about 77 degrees right now. It's not even going to get up past 85 today. A beautiful August Saturday outdoor type of day here in the NYC area. And you know what, folks? That is the weekend weather. It's brought to you by Grand Marnier. It takes cocktails from ordinary to unforgettable. So there you go. You got your expert meteorological forecast from yours truly. Thank you. Thank you. We didn't even have to pull out the Doppler. We didn't have to call in the experts, anything. You get your expert forecasts right here and right now. So we'll switch gears and do a little bit of football here because... Look, if you're a Giant fan, you're waiting to see your team out on the field. They're going to get underway on Friday evening against the Detroit Lions. Jets will play their second preseason game next Saturday. That is in Carolina against the Panthers in the afternoon, a game that we'll have for you here on 98.7 ESPN. But you saw a little bit of the Jets on Thursday night, of course, in the Hall of Fame game against the Cleveland Browns. And look, it is what it is. It's a necessary evil. I think that that's how the team looks at it. Um, I don't think anybody wants to play an extra preseason game, but the NFL saddled the Jets and the Browns with the assignment this year because, well, they have some alumni representation going into the Hall of Fame this year, right? The Brownies have Joe Thomas going into the Hall of Fame later this afternoon. Jets, of course, with Joe Klecko and Darrell Revis. So a couple of things that you take away maybe from that game on Thursday. Of course, you start with the quarterback, and we just had our previous caller bring up what he saw from Zach Wilson in that game. Zach played three series, primarily with the backups, right? I mean, there weren't many starters, if any, on the field for either team. But, you know, I think he was like three of five for 60-something yards, and he had that big 57-yarder to Malik Taylor. All right. And then that one drive stalled with a field goal. When I say stalled with a field goal, they weren't able to punch it into the end zone. First series on the third down play, he kind of rolled out of the pocket and he slipped on the turf. Okay, that'll happen. I mean, they're not really accustomed to playing on that field. It's not an NFL field. It is what it is. Then on that third series on the third down play, he had the ball batted down at the line of scrimmage. He's playing with backup offensive linemen, you know, backups who are out there running routes the whole nine yards. It's, it, it, it's, it, it's going to happen. And everybody's just trying to shake the rust off. Now, I could be in the minority on this one, but trying to take the stats out of it, okay, 
just watching from what I saw from Zach Wilson on Thursday night, and yes, it's only preseason, and yes, there's still, of course, a lot of room for growth. But I saw a guy who didn't have as much of a case of the happy feet in the pocket as maybe we've seen for the first couple of years in the NFL, really and truthfully. I thought he looked a little bit poised back there. And Greg even agreed with me when we were sitting there watching the game on Thursday. Now, is that going to translate into success on the field when the bullets start flying for real? We have no idea. None. And in an ideal world, and this is no knock against Zach Wilson, but in an ideal world, if you're the Jets, and not just them, I think the 31 other teams in the NFL would probably echo these same thoughts. You don't ever want to find out the answer to that question because in a perfect world, your backup is going to stay on the sidelines for the entire season. Unless it's in a we-got-this-game-in-the-bag scenario and let's get the starter out of there and let's get the backup in there to take a few snaps. That's the only time in a perfect situation you'd want to see Zach Wilson out there. But that's for down the road. Okay, the other case was Mekhi Becton on Thursday night. I think he was somebody that Jet fans had eyes on because we were told Mekhi Becton was going to play somewhere between 20 to 25 snaps in that game the other night. And he only lasted about seven. And he came out of the game. And he said that that knee was giving him a little bit of trouble, right? That maybe it just wasn't where he wanted it to be. Remember, Mekhi Becton's only played about a half of football over the last two years. Not a half of a season, a half of a game the last two seasons. So here was Robert Sala after the game on Thursday. He was asked, why pull Becton after just seven plays? We just want to make sure that we're doing right by him. Again, this is all about confidence for him. You know, and if he's got any doubt in it at any time, you know, we're going to be cautious. Um, and uh, so just from communication between him and the trainers, uh, there must have been a little, and I'll find out more. But uh, there was a... Uh, uh, just probably a little confidence issue, but he's not. You know, you saw him go in there for field goal, uh, so he's he's fine. It's just again, he's got to build confidence in that thing and be able to push through um, whatever he might be feeling. Whatever he might be feeling. Okay. Now, Mackay Becton, I for one thought that he was going to have himself a pretty decent season here for the Jets. He came back motivated. He lost a lot of weight because he realizes he's playing for a new contract next year. Jets didn't pick up his fifth-year option, right? Not in the least. So he has to go out there and perform. He has to get this thing done. Can he do it? Can he live up to those expectations? We will find out. But in the meantime, I think you go into this season – and you look at this offensive line for the New York Jets, and that is still the biggest question mark that this club is going to have. It's nice that you have Aaron Rodgers, nice that you have all this talent, nice that you have all these other things, but guess what? If you don't have an offensive line to protect the quarterback, to allow him to go out there and do his thing, to make plays, it's really going to be all for naught. And on the interior of that line, look, Lakin Tomlinson back for his second season. AVT is back healthy. That's a big piece. At the center position, it might look like the veteran Connor McGovern's going to start, but Joe Tipman, the rookie, they have high hopes for him, the second-round pick. Interior, I think you feel okay about. It's those tackles on the outside, which might be an issue. Dwayne Brown, he's a warrior. They love him. Everything. But he's coming off a of two-shoulder surgery. Still hasn't gotten on the practice field yet in training camp. 
Well, we'll continue the conversation about the current Jets coming up in just a few minutes. But as I said, a big afternoon in Canton, Ohio. We're coming up at noon. It's going to be the Hall of Fame induction ceremony for 2023. Joe Klecko, one of the greats that is going to be inducted. And the guy who's presenting him for the Hall of Fame is our good buddy, of course. He is our analyst right here on Jets Radio Broadcasts on 98.7 ESPN. It is the great number 93, Marty Lyons. Marty, thanks for a couple of minutes, my friend. How are you? I'm doing well, Dan. How are you guys doing? Tell me what it's been like here for the last couple of days. I know you had the parade this morning and being able to bask in that all in, in, in you know, being there for your teammate and friend, Joe. Well, I tell you what, it's been kind of hectic for Joe. He's been on the run since Tuesday and I uh, just kind of in from the parade. The parade started at eight and it's still going on. We got to be downstairs uh, around 1030, 1020 to head, uh, excuse me. Yeah. To head over to the, uh, Hall of Fame itself for the enshrinement. Last night you had the gold jacket ceremony. You know, we saw videos of that, and that's in a nice little close-knit auditorium. I assume that that had to be a special moment, not just for Joe, of course, but for somebody like yourself to see it all come down. Yeah, to see it, to witness it, to see Joe go through the gauntlet, and then Howie Long present him with his gold jacket. That uh, It was something special for Joe, his family, his teammates. And you know what? There's so many Jets fans out here in Canton. It was truly special for not just him, but Darrell Brevis. Indeed, it's really a fun time for the Jet fans. We're talking to the great Marty Lyons. He's going to be the presenter for Joe coming up here this afternoon when he goes into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Now, you and I were talking last week, and I asked you about your whole induction speech and the presentation, and you said the way that they did it was they sat and talked to you for about an hour, right? And they had to cut that down to like two, three minutes. Right. What they do, Dan, is they don't no longer allow the presenter to get up and do a speech because I think it's the time frame of the network, and they got nine inductees. So they did interview me with a Q&A for about an hour, and then they de-rolled some tape in and used some of my comments on top of it, and they cut that hour to three minutes. And Joe, I think I talked to him last night, his final speech, I think he's going to try to do it within 10 minutes. So we're going to be under the window, under the window of 15. It's regardless. Now I I wish they gave them kind of free form and just let them speak as long as they wanted to, but it's a made for TV production now and things have changed. I, I, I totally get it, but you know, what is this whole ceremony going to be like for you? I mean, obviously playing with Joe, you know, in a way it's got to feel almost like an extension of you guys, the sack exchange almost getting recognized as a whole going into the Hall of Fame. But then when you look at Darrell, I mean, you had a front row seat for his entire Jet career. You called every single game that Revis played as a Jet. This is an all-encompassing day for Marty Lyons, is it not? It really is, Dan, because, you know, when you see Joe's locker, he took the sack exchange in it. There's a figurine in there with the four of us. And uh, I think what makes it so special for all the his teammates is he's taking us all in. This isn't about him. It's about his career. It's about his journey. It's about the people he played with. And I think that's why he's so respected and so loved by his teammates and the fans and the organization. Why do you think it took as long as it did, Marty? You know, I quit asking why a few years ago, Dan. I just think that, uh, you know, God had a plan for him. If you look at his stats, um, nothing changed in 30 years except three things. You know, he's still all pro at three different positions, the only player in the Pro Football Hall of Fame to do so. 
But he his number was retired by the Jets. That's one. Number two, he got inducted to the Ring of Honor by the Jets. That's and number three, you know, he became a man of faith. And I think uh, at the end of 30 years, God finally said, you know, Joe, you deserve this. You took your platform. You found your purpose in life. And now you're going to be rewarded. Well, certainly should be a fun one. Look, I know you're busy. I really appreciate you calling in for a couple of minutes. Go enjoy the heck out of that afternoon today. And uh, say hi to Buttle for us and to Joe. And uh, we'll talk to you again next week, buddy. Will do, Dan. Stay well. Thank you. All right. There's Marty Lines. He's, of course, our analyst here on Jet Broadcast on 98.7 ESPN. And, of course, one of the great Jets. He'll be the presenter for Joe Klecko when he goes into the Hall of Fame later on this afternoon. And like I said, Marty was Joe's teammate all those years. And Marty was in the broadcast booth alongside Bob for every single one of Darrell Revis's games as a member of the New York Jets. So he is the guy to talk to on a day like this for sure. 800-919-3776. We get some calls up in. It's interesting. I mentioned Greg Buttle. You know, he told, a, 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 I think, a, a pretty telling story from his own career dealing with a knee issue and how it could compare to what Mekhi Becton is currently going through right now as he tries to get himself back into playing shape and to be a fixture once again on this offensive line. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Thanks again to Marty for hopping on with us. Kind of last minute. You know, he's, he's a busy guy, but I'm glad he was able to give us a couple of minutes here on a uh, special day. Let's get some jet calls up here. Say hi to Mike in Manhattan up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Michael, how are you? Damn, what's up? Shout out to the company, baby. Uh, Michael. Got that rock salt because we're going to the Super Bowl, baby. I am. Got to get that rock salt. That music got me. <laughs> oh man, that rock salt! I got I got goosebumps right now with that music. Let's go Jets, baby! Um, but realistically, you know the tackle spot's crazy because I don't know if Brown can really uh, last the whole season. So I wanted to know your opinion: Is do you think um, Tucker should play left tackle and then Pittman play guard when he's ready? I think that's a last case scenario. They're, they feel that Dwayne Brown's going to be ready to go. But because, Dwayne, remember, Dwayne Brown has been around the block. You know, this isn't his first training camp, not by any stretch. 
he's a guy who, you know, last year there were times he didn't even practice during the week because he was so banged up with that one shoulder. He had a dislocated shoulder, but yet he played for, what was it, three quarters of the season or whatever it was, and, you know, he still found a way to go out there and play. He'll be good to go, whether that's in another couple of weeks, and he'll be ready to rock and roll week one. If he's unable to answer the call at any point during the season, I think that that's a scenario that they'll explore. But as you said, Mike, I think having AVT and knowing that he can play the tackle position gives them a little bit of assurance as to have him as such a valuable weapon for him. Thanks, Dan. Love you, man. Michael, be good, buddy. Appreciate the call. Look, now that's a scenario they probably don't want to have to go down because, look, ideally they would like to stick Dwayne Brown out there at left tackle for 17 games, put him on an island, do his thing. And, you know, at right tackle right now, I, I would probably say that, you know, it's either Max Mitchell or somebody like Billy Turner that is going to be the leader in the clubhouse. Billy Turner is a guy who they signed in the offseason. He was with Denver last year, so he knows the Hackett offense. And before that, he was with the Green Bay Packers, too. So he is quite familiar with this scheme. But Becton is the wild card. You know, I, I, I don't know if he has put himself in position to where you're talking about a week one starter. I, I, I can't see that happening, especially when he doesn't have confidence right now in that knee that he's going to be able to go out there and, and, and play it. Forget about, you know, a half. How about play a full game? That's what you got to see first and foremost. And Robert Sala alluded to it the other night after the game saying, well, you know what? He's dealing with some confidence issues. Not confidence issues like, oh, I don't know if I can play football. No, he's not confident in the knee and whether or not that could hold up for him. And it's something that I guess a lot of football players and, and, and guys in his position have experienced along the way because Greg the other night when we were doing the postgame show and we were talking about the Becton issue with his knee and what he's possibly fighting through right now, Greg told the story and related it to something that he experienced back during his playing career when he was trying to come back from a knee issue. Take a listen to this. You have a knee injury, and what happens? You rehab it, and you can remember how it was done to you, and you can remember the pain that you had, and you remember all of these things. How do you overcome that? You go out on the field, and now you're going to play. And there are times where you just think of every time you step on your leg, and your knee bends a little, you're thinking it's hurting you. And what it does is it's like breaking up some scar tissue, maybe. So it's not really hurting you, or I should say it's hurting you. It's not injuring you. And so you've got to get past that one part, and I'll tell you, when I came back from my knee injury, I was in preseason, and the first thing out there is I were playing the Raiders, and this one guy tries to cut me, and he just nips my knee, and of course, I collapse right away. Just, I'm thinking, I wrecked my knee again. So I limp off the field. I get over there, and the orthopedic surgeon says, what's the matter? I go, I, I think I wrecked my knee again. Really? All right, so sit down. So he checks my knee. He goes, there's nothing wrong with your knee. There isn't? He says, no, it's in your head. <laughs> I go, it's in my head. I didn't get hit in the head. He goes, no, no, no. You think it does because you feel it and you feel that more than anything. Just block it out and go play football and forget about your knee. And that's what I did. Well, and I guess to a certain extent, that's what Mekhi Becton's going to have to do at some point here, right? And again, he has no guarantees beyond this season with this franchise or anywhere else, right? I mean, this is a guy who, you know, his rookie year, let's not forget. I mean, fans love this guy. You know, he was the flavor of the month. That Jet team was terrible in 2020. It looked like they were going to go 0-16, remember, uh, under Adam Gay. So they didn't pick up their first win of the season until December of that year when they went out to the Rams and they caught the Rams sleeping for about, you know, two and a half quarters. And when they woke up, it was too late and the Jets won the game. But Becton was one of the few bright spots that season 
because even though he missed a couple of games, he still played, I think, like 10 or 11 games that year. And at times he looked dominant. You know, you had Baldy on film each Monday, you know, breaking down some of his plays and the way he was just mauling guys and essentially, like, throwing them off the field. That's what you drafted him for. But unfortunately, he's ran into some injury problems the last couple of seasons, and now you don't know if he's going to be able to ever get it back, even though he's got himself in shape, right, and he's lost all that weight to give him a chance to be successful, which is all you can ask for any professional athlete, but, you know, has too much time kind of passed him by in terms of his development. And, of course, the Jets have, I think, passed him by in terms of, all right, now we're ready to win. You know, we went out and we've made additions. We brought in players that we think are going to be able to help us here. And they've brought in veterans to play that position, too. So if you're Mekhi Becton, not only are you trying to salvage your Jets career this season, you know, you might be trying to salvage your career in the National Football League. Because I don't think there's another team in the league that's going to want a player, regardless of what position they play, if he's not going to be able to take the field on a consistent basis and he's going to be a liability more than anything when it comes to injuries. So this is going to be tricky, and that's why, you know, next week when they go play the Carolina Panthers, week after that against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, these are going to be important preseason opportunities for Mekhi Becton. Not just the games on the Saturdays, but when they do those joint practices with those clubs during the week. I mean, those are going to be valuable reps because, look, right now, if somebody said to you, hey, do you think he's on this team week one? I, I mean, I think that there's probably about a 50-50 chance if you're assessing his chances of making the week one roster or even versus him maybe not even being on this club. Maybe they look to trade him someplace else. I, I, I don't know. I don't know how he fits in anymore with this franchise. In a perfect world, they would like him to be able to play, but I don't know if there are any guarantees. I really don't. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Tuesday morning, I'm going to be with Rick. Dave is off, so they said, you want to get up early and do a show with Rick? I said, why not? So Tuesday morning, uh, 6 a.m., little DNR one. How's the security in Costco with all those people? Oh, what, are we going to yeah. rob it? Well, we'll have some Costco conversation. You never know. So Tuesday morning, Rick and I, uh, that'll be uh, next time we're together. I'm going to take a couple of days off here, uh, as we tend to do from time to time. So we'll be back together again. And actually, Harvey, next Saturday, we don't have our uh, little Saturday extravaganza. How about that? I'll miss you, man. It's just it's one Saturday. You know why? Because we have a Jet game next Saturday, and it's an earlier start. 
So it's going to be a lot, you know, back to back. So I have to be make sure I'm 100% ready to go for the game. So we're not going to be able to do the show next Saturday. Instead, we got Jets Panthers. Do you, you think know. there'll be like a riot if the Jets go 0-2 in the preseason? Woo! 0-2 in the preseason? No. Do you want to ask me that question about 0-2 in the regular season? I mean, we got to get to the regular season. Well, let's 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 go preseason first, man. What are you skipping? No, the hoops I don't for? think. I I don't think so. No, I, I I think whatever happens in the pre preseason, as far as the fans are concerned right now, I think it's safe to say, and, and same goes for Giant fans. I think it's a necessary evil, right? They have to play the games. They schedule them. They're on TV. The NFL still makes money from TV. So you got to play the games. Um, but I don't think the fans are going to be sweating out the results or what actually happens in these games, right? I, I, I just don't think it's going to happen. Why what, should it? What if Mackay doesn't play again? I don't think Jet fans are going to lose any sleep. I really and truly don't think so. Because, again, the organization is not relying on him to be an every-down player for them this year. I think, unfortunate as it may seem, I think that the Jets are looking at Mackay Becton as whatever we get from him is gravy. That's the fact of the matter. You know, guys have played for two years. What could they expect from him realistically? Anyway, Giants are in a different story, though, because, look, great first season under Brian Dayball and Joe Shane. How do you capitalize off of a successful 2022, right? You made the playoffs. You won a playoff game. Now what do you do for an encore? Well, we talked long and hard about some of the roster decisions that they had to make, some of the money that they had to spend. They made sure they got the quarterback locked up. They made sure they got the left tackle locked up. They made sure they got one of their impact defensive linemen locked up in Dexter Lawrence. And you know, Saquon Barkley took less than what the Giants offered months ago, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> it didn't work out well <laughs> for Saquon. But he's here. He's on the team. He's going to be out there, you know, come week one against the Dallas Cowboys, so you don't have to worry about that. But there are some other pieces to this football team, of course, and offensively, you know, Darren Waller is the guy who's going to stand out because he's the big acquisition on the offensive side of the ball. He and Daniel Jones should have a great partnership on the field. And, look, if he could stay on the field, Darren Waller is going to be the number one target for Daniel Jones. No other way around it. So if you're a fantasy player, I mean, Darren Waller, that is going to be the guy when it comes to the Giants in terms of targets, catches, and the whole nine yards. Wide receiver, the Giants don't have a guy that when you look at that depth chart at the position and you say, that's the dude that's going to keep opposing defenses up late at night trying to plan for. They just don't have that guy. Like right now, I mean, if you're looking at the group, you would probably say that Darius Slayton is their number one wide receiver. I don't think anybody in a million years would say that he's a number one wideout in the NFL. Giants have a nice collection of players that fit their scheme, that they hope are going to be able to make plays when called upon, but I don't think they have any dominant game breakers. However, they did draft a guy – in the third round this year in Jalen Hyatt out of Tennessee, who so far has turned heads at training camp. And that's got to get you excited a little bit if you're a Giant fan. Because, look, here's the thing with Jalen Hyatt. They got him in the third round, and I thought that that was a steal for when they took him. Because I didn't think that Jalen Hyatt was going to last till round number three, but he did. Giants swooped him up, and they could be the beneficiaries. Jalen Hyatt is a guy that when he was coming into the draft, one of the things that the so-called you know, scouts, talent evaluators were a little bit skeptical of as far as his game translating to the next level was his route running and whether or not he would be able to be more of a polished route runner 
on the next level because when he was at Tennessee, he was known for being a vertical threat. He was very successful at running that go route, which means go, literally, go deep, right? He was a guy who played in the slot more often than not in Tennessee. But up here, he is a guy that is going to be playing on the outside, and the Giants want him to be an outside receiver. So when you're an outside receiver, you got to be able to win battles. You have to tidy up your route running. You're going to have to get a little bit more proficient when it comes to your hands, especially if you get pressed at the line of scrimmage and to be able to fight off those NFL-caliber DBs. You know, it's a lot more different than playing in the SEC. It's like night and day. But the Giants could use some explosiveness in the passing game. Last year, they only completed 28 passes that went for 20 yards or more. Explosive plays, as they like to refer to them. Chunk plays. Giants were last in the NFL in that category. Dead last. Okay, so what did you do? You went and you gave your quarterback, Daniel Jones, a boatload of money. Because now it is clearly his football team. And he is going to be a guy that you're going to be asking a heck of a lot more from. So you might as well give him as many weapons as possible. And if Jalen Hyatt turns out to be a diamond in the rough for you, well, you know what? Then that's a win for the Giants, and it's a win for Joe Shane. Because that is one hell of a draft choice if you could get him in the third round. And so far, he has impressed. Now, there have been a lot of players that have looked good in training camp before you even play a preseason game. And we're going to start to get those answers as to whether or not he's going to be able to capitalize on this as we move forward through the month of August and start to play some games against other teams. Like I said, those games against the Lions this week, the two scrimmages, and then the game next Friday, you get a little bit better of an indicator. But Hyatt so far, he just wants to reward the Giants' faith as to why they drafted him. I definitely belong here. I definitely belong here. I think for me, uh, just coming in the draft process, yeah, they took a chance on me. The Giants took a chance on me in the third round. And, um, you know, I think for me, I just want to make the most of it. You know, I want to show them why they drafted me. I want to show why Joe uh, decided to get me and trade up for me. So, you know, I take that as big respect, and that's why I want to get it done. I look at the Giants receivers, and I almost see a case of, like, interchangeable parts, if that makes any sense. You know, they've got some quality depth. And as I said, not really superstars, but – this is a team last year, remember, that went all the way to the postseason without really having that dominant playmaker. And think about how many how many different players they had to shuttle in and out and how many games were lost due to injury. I mean, getting a guy like Sterling Shepard back, okay, he missed a boatload of last season. Is he going to be able to return? We'll see. You know, Wandale Robinson, his rookie season was ruined because of injuries last year. He's a guy that you still got to see out on the field and what he's going to be able to do. Paris Campbell's a veteran they signed from the Indianapolis Colts. He right now is probably going to be your slot guy, right? But I'm really excited to see what somebody like Jalen Hyatt could be able to add to this offense. You know, Cole Beasley is somebody they signed. He is strictly a slot guy. He had success with Brian Dayball up in Buffalo once upon a time. Is there a spot for him on this roster? It remains to be seen. You know, I think the de- – not the development, but Wandale Robinson and how he's going to be able to shake off whatever it is coming back from injury and to get on the field, I think having Cole Beasley as an insurance policy is pretty much why he's here. Same goes for somebody like a Jamison Crowder. You know, slot receiver, a guy who had a couple of decent seasons with the Jets not too long ago, wondering how much he still has left in the tank. 
You know, Giants just are now, they have enough capable bodies there to where if some of the guys that you're putting an emphasis on aren't going to be able to play, you have some veterans that you could fall back on that have experience in this league and have produced in this league. So I think as a whole, the Giant depth chart at wide receiver, I think it's a lot more sound than what we saw even last year when they went to the playoffs. Let's say hi to Mitch. He's calling from East Windsor. He is up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Mitch, good morning, sir. How the hell are you? Good. How you doing, uh, Dan? I guess we're doing better in the Pac-12. I mean, the Pac-4. I mean, I don't I know what the Pac-12 is anymore, up. Mitch. I don't know what that is. It ceases to exist. So sad. It's it's like they model after those commissioners, the commissioner at Pac-12, especially Larry Scott. He ran that conference, I guess, just as bad as the, the the city of Oakland. How they kept their teams, and even San Diego to gone to that point. Um, I don't think Wilson's got that much left. I think. I think Sam Darnold has more talent than Wilson if you look into the future. Either they're just going to draft a quarterback after next year and get one of those, um, well, I can't say Pac-12 anymore. It's either now it's Big 12, Big 10. And I think every, just about every team in that Pac-12, or used to be 12, has a quarterback that's NFL caliber. Would they trade? And now the point is have three quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Well, you're not going to trade with Sam Darnold because he'd be a free agent this year. I think he's going to turn his career around. Would they make a trade for the Trey Lance or Perry? Because those two quarterbacks are starting material. And thanks for taking my call. Who, who, who are you talking about making a trade for? Jets. The Jets? Uh, getting either Trey Lance or Perry because they you can't have three quarterbacks in the team. Keep you're, everybody talk, you're, talk, you're, you're talking about the Jets making the trade? Jets making the trade. You know, you think about the future. I know we just got to worry about, you know, you just worry about this year. I mean, these preseason games, it's just too many. Football now, it's 85 degrees out there. It's ridiculous. But would they trade for Trey Lance or Perry? That's, what I'm, that's the gist of my phone call. Why, why would they do that? Mitch, thank, thank you for the phone call, but I, why? why? Why would they do it? I don't know if you've kept up with the news cycle for the last six months. They have this guy named Aaron Rodgers, and you know, most recently renegotiated his contract, and he said he's going to be here for a few years. Just plucked down $9.5 million on a place in the Montclair area. Did you see that in the New York Post? So Rodgers has found his uh, new home in New Jersey. Looks like a beautiful place. And also a lot of, has like a, you know, a little bit of a California feel to it, as a matter of fact. Looks pretty damn swanky, if you ask me. But no, I don't, I don't think the Jets are going to need to go make a trade for God, no. Look, bottom line, if, if God forbid something happens to Aaron Rodgers, their season is probably cooked probably cooked you know is San? i think the better question is is san francisco going to hold on to all three of those quarterbacks i don't know but a funny thing happens between now and week one of the nfl season is that injuries take place unfortunately to quarterbacks you know cincinnati dodged the biggest bullet to where burrow it's not going to be season ending but it didn't look good but he's going to miss here several weeks probably into the start of the season is some other team's quarterback depth chart going to be ruined because of a preseason or a training camp injury over the next weeks? I, I I don't know. But, you know, 49ers, look, they're not trading Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy's their guy now. It took him to the NFC Championship game last year. He's number one on the depth chart. I would say that probably Trey Lance would be the one who would be most susceptible to being traded if a team calls up John Lynch and says, hey, we need a quarterback. Because I think that they like Sam Darnold and they think they could tap into his upside, Right? In that Shanahan system, in that offense, maybe he's a little bit more comfortable out there. But will the Jets make a move? No, they're not. I, I, I can't see them doing that. Anything short of an injury. Knock on wood. 
You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. So I have this issue that I'm trying to deal with. A few weeks ago, I don't know if it was a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago, whenever it was, I got a parking ticket in the city, right? I don't get them often. This is the first one in, like, I don't know, I can't even remember. But the fact of the matter is that I should not have even been issued the ticket because I paid for parking during the designated window in which they said I didn't pay for parking. So on the ticket that was placed on my windshield, During that set time, I even have the proof because I use the parking app, right? When I come into the city and, you know, if I get a spot on the street, whatever, boom, I I, I pay on the app, on the phone. So I got proof that says I have paid during that window when they gave me the ticket. Here's the other kicker to it. Now, I understand, look, the folks that go around and issue those parking tickets, the meter maids, I don't know how far they got in the academy. I don't know even if they went to the academy. I don't know. I don't. Do you have to go to the academy to be a meter maid? How does it work? Like, I don't think those, you know, even though they look like police officers, I don't think that they're, they're packing or anything, right? They got their little computers to punch out the parking tickets. That's about it. But I don't think that could do any serious harm. So it was meter maid error in issuing the ticket for me. So I was examining this ticket when I got home, and I'm looking at it. And I look at the license plate on the ticket. The license plate they wrote down on the ticket is not my license plate. They were off by one number. So let's put it all together here. If you are the genius meter maid, and you type in said license plate, Of course it's going to show that they didn't pay for parking because that is not my license plate. As a matter of fact, I don't even know if there's a vehicle that exists that has that license plate, which they put on the ticket. But yet, they printed out the ticket. They put it on my windshield, even though my license plate don't match the one that is on the ticket. So here is my question. Am I even liable for this thing? Right? Like, that's my question now, because when I go on the website and I put in the code or whatever it is of the, of, of the ticket itself, the license plate that comes up on the screen is not my plate. It has that one difference, which is why they even put the ticket on my car. So here's my question. If I do nothing, is it even ever going to come back to me? Because, again, that's not my car. You see what I'm saying, guys? So you're just going to leave it alone? Well, I mean, but, but don't you think I can? I think you can, actually. Right, because, again, it's, it's not my car. They screwed up. Listen, I think I was here with you that day. That's the night we went out to dinner, right? Yes, exactly. You were. And I, I reminded you to pay your ticket. You absolutely did. I, I'm very good when it comes. I'm almost neurotic when it comes to paying the parking, right? Honestly, if I'm you, I'm not. I'm not paying it. They got the wrong license plate. They got. They the got wrong the wrong guy. license plate. That was that was Gandasa. That wasn't you. That was one me. You know, so like let's Gandrasa. say for, Yeah. So let's say like the first two characters of my license plate are like G, G three. Right. Those are what my first two are. What they wrote on the ticket was G four. Well, that's not my car. So I shouldn't have to do anything.
because, I, like I said, somebody, some other yo-yo may have that license plate. It ain't me. What if you go up to them and you tell them that they made an error and you just try to shame them because of but their I don't, human error? But I don't know who it is. All I know is what I have on the ticket is I have the name of the person who issued the ticket. Now, I could go up and down the street in which I got that ticket like a lunatic and just start yelling this person's name out. You know, like I'm looking for a a, 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 a brawl or something, but I'm not going to do that because then they might think I need to be institutionalized. I'm not going to be like Rocky at the top of the mountain, like yelling Drago's name, yelling the the, the person who gave me the ticket, because they might think I'm a little insane. And people may think that already, which is fine, but I, I assure you I'm not, but I have valid proof here. So the point I'm trying to make is, is because of the error of some yo-yo, I am now in a position to where I have to go online, I have to upload all of this proof, my validation that I paid for the parking, the proof that that ain't my car, and it sure as hell isn't my license plate, and then I have to upload it all to this site. Now, you could say that that's not the end of the world. Sure, it's not the end of the world, but guess what? I'm not exactly as technologically savvy as some other people are and you know, when it comes to computer literacy and all these other things that you got to do that the kids are all doing these days. So this is probably going to take some time or in the neighborhood of like 30 minutes out of my day to do this. And I just don't want to sacrifice that much time. I mean, you see where I'm coming from, right? Well, it's not too much to ask. I would just say, like, if you go outside and you talk to a random police officer about it or some whatever ticket made him, whatever it's called, yeah. just be like, hey, I got this. Your people gave me this. How you let me go? You know what? Let me tell you something. That might not be a bad idea. Maybe that's what I'll do the next time I'm there, is that I'll just walk up and down the street, I'll look for the random meter person, and I'll say to them, look, here's my dilemma. One of your colleagues falsely issued and pegged me down as somebody who is a parking violator. A, that is not the case, but B, they screwed up. How do I go about fixing this? They might tell me, well, you know what? You don't have to do anything because it's not your license plate. And at the end of the day, that's what I still think is the case. Like, I think I'm not in the wrong. Well, I know I'm not in the wrong at all. But I also don't think I need to do anything because the license plate that's on there is not mine. So, like, when they run it through the DMV and they check the records and everything, and even if they want to tack on, like, late fees and penalties because the ticket wasn't paid, it's going to go to that poor sap whoever has that license plate and God knows what state that they could be living in. But it ain't me. Listen, we got audio proof here. We can, we can clip this segment and bring it to them. I don't even need the audio proof. I have the visual proof. I've got the receipts, like literally the receipts. Yeah, but you know how these people are. They'll fight, they'll fight over everything. But again, I don't, I don't care. I'll oh, be you- my own lawyer. And, and that's the other thing. I'm not showing up in any court hearing or anything like that because, I, like, again, I am not in the wrong. I did absolutely nothing wrong. It's nah. user error that I find myself in this position. We want some accountability is what we want. Yeah, accountability from them, not me. Exactly. You know, I re- I'm representing the people here. Grasa versus New York City. I mean, this is like the, this is like the people's court. I, I I should go on the people's court for crying out loud. They still have that. Judge Judy or whatever the hell it is. I'll be there front and center, and I want that guy or gal, whoever it is, that gave me the ticket in error to show their face, and I'm going to give them the dagger eyes for the whole episode. How dare you do this? This 
is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs>